Welcome to Cooperville. Do you know what's fun to do in Cooperville? Pack up your shit and get the fuck out. Listen. www.welcometocooperville.com <laughs> Who the fuck says www anymore? I can't even say it. www. <laughs> Stop that. The Welcome to Cooperville podcast. On demand anywhere quality podcasts are available. And some places where cheap podcasts are available. And the local gas station has some. Subscribe. Get updates. Feel better about your life. Welcome to Cooperville.com. Welcome to Cooperville. Make sure you use a coaster. The wife gets upset when we leave rings on the tables. So we probably had the most exciting evening in Altoona, Wisconsin that we really ever had. And I've been here, I think this is our, uh, it'll be our eighth year. We moved in when my son turned one uh, and he's now nine. But last night I'm talking to to my neighbor, Pete. We uh, had been planning to do a podcast uh, and I, you know, we'd kind of been going back and forth on some uh, on some ideas, and all of a sudden, I was. And Pete sends me a message like, "Hey, did you have strange individual in black hoodie knocking on your door?" I'm like, "This is really random," but events actually transpired last night. Yeah, they did. It was uh, that was intense, uh, intense stuff because we've lived here for three years, so yep. yeah, not very long. And typically, it's you know, windows open, uh, screen door, whatever. And I'm just doing the dishes, and all of a sudden. Um, I look back and I see guy in black hoodie and I think, like, originally I'm thinking you thought it was me. I honestly <laughs> thought it was you. I was like, well, yeah, yeah. Cooper, Cooper, where's where's black hoodie? I'm a black like, hoodie guy. Yeah, I'm like maybe it's him. And then I got closer. I'm like, nope, dude is not Cooper at all. <laughs> and he wants to let me in. He goes, guys chasing me with a gun. He says, there's a guy coming after me with a gun. And I go, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah. And I said, dude, I don't know. I don't know who you are. What's going on like that? guy's coming after me with a gun and i said i said i'll call the cops and i shut the door and like i was done and I, he you know he dropped a couple f-bombs at me as he left like i've like he, i've he wasn't happy him. you weren't making dinner for him like yeah. hey since i'm here yeah like i've sentenced him to death or something because the dude's coming after him uh yeah and then you you saw a bunch of cops and yeah fire I, stuff you messaged everything. me yeah uh, you know about black hoodie and i was like that's the first thing i thought was like he probably thought it was me <laughs> roaming about the backyard banging on people's doors and stuff uh but no yeah i looked out you know my front door and it was just it was me my son and, and my dog who you met on the way in yeah. who's not who's not going to protect much you know I mean, you'd be like hey let's you know, i want to play let's play fetch uh looked out the window and i saw a couple of squads you know coming up the hill and you know curiosity will eventually be the death of me so i'm like well i'll just pop outside and see what's happening and uh you know happen to look you know about three or four houses up the road and yeah there was uh you know three or four uh squad cars and then the, the fire and rescue truck was there yeah. and then at the bottom of the hill all of a sudden there was a conglomerate of uh of marked and unmarked police cars and i was like ooh, this, yeah this is getting intense there was like random red hoodie i think it was a gal who was down there and then all of a sudden a car shows up starts like I'm assuming talking to her or whatever for like five minutes. And then, yeah, like two squad cars were there again. And they were there for a while. Like it was past dark. It was yeah something. So it was weird. I, I assume he was just running. And like I was the first person he saw through a window and was like, <laughs> I'm going to come up and scare the absolute yeah. crap out of you. So. Yeah. And you, I mean, you got you got wife and kid over there. I imagine yeah. the heart rate was probably a little accelerated. Yeah, last a little, night. Jeez, little bit. People. She was. So my wife was in the garage. Like she was getting ready to leave to go get some stuff at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And. 
I'm like, did she leave yet? So I went, I run over and I get the door and I go, and the garage door is still open. She's getting in the car. I'm like, Chris, get inside now. <laughs> We're closing the garage door. She's like looking at me all like, weird. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. She didn't have any like adrenaline, nothing bumping. She's like, you, did you imagine this? Or no, I didn't <laughs> um, at all. You know, I, I know it was Friday and yeah. it's probably a long week, you know, at the yeah. office. We haven't yeah. a couple of cocktails. Who knows? Yeah. Sometimes you, you know, radio can do that to you, I, I guess. I fully, I fully believe that. Yeah. <laughs> when you start hallucinating individuals and they're yeah. banging on your door, you're like, hmm, I need to reconsider my life choices. Well, apparently like Meth had just wanted to give us some, um, <laughs> something to talk about uh, That's to what start off the show like, he knew he, he yeah. knew it was up so like a black hoodie he's got to be somehow associated with me because uh you know that's just how i roll but no it was uh yeah it was a very strange uh evening for a, a very inactive i mean th- yeah there are there are things that happen in our community that we you know we end up hearing about on the news but when i think when it happens at that, that close proximity because after i had looked outside uh, out the front and you know was scoping on the, the local police department doing their thing i mean i went out back and i'm like oh, did he come out like you know was he trying to steal my big green egg? Because yeah. like that thing weighs yeah. five thousand pounds. I'm not I wanted to see how far he was going to get with it. Yeah. But no, it was a very very strange evening. Which I guess again just correlates right into the fact that we're hanging out in the Welcome to Cooperville cave down here in the basement, and uh, going to talk about some sports. Pete Knutson, uh, the voice of the Eau Claire Express, also UW Stout, uh, iHeart Sports Director, Master of everything sports over there is that your title uh, yeah yeah something like that do they, like, even, do they give titles anymore like uh, you're just the, the sports i don't know team. i think i could make them up and i think i'd be probably fine i don't think anybody would say anything so. well now now with vistaprint you just make your own business cards yeah. you could say whatever the hell you want yeah like, i got the logo i put it right on there yeah. it's fine no one's checking and uh but kansas yeah like yep. university of kansas university of kansas yeah that's where we came from that's where my wife and i met uh mm-hmm. we were in grad school there and yeah, while I was doing heavy research and reading, I was like, I need a hobby because this is like consuming <laughs> all of my life. And I've never broadcasted sports before and I've always wanted to. So that's where it all started. Yeah. Is, was that a thing like uh, sports broadcasting was always in the blood? Was there a, a, a yeah. drive towards that? Was that career focused? Well, th- I'd say since I was a kid, mm. like that was the first thing, you know, oh, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be like, I want to be a I wanted to be Harry Carey, basically. It was. Um, I was just gonna ask. Was that the guy? Was that was my uh, guy? Who was the guy who yep. inspired that? Yeah, he was one hundred percent. You know, not. I mean, you know, when you're seven or eight, I mean, you know, the Budweiser drinking that was certainly the <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, <laughs> one ball on Ryan Sandberg. <laughs> yeah, would you eat the moon if it was made out of ribs? Um, yeah. So so yeah, he was he was kind of the guy and 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 that and then you know I got into college. I didn't go to school. I had broadcasting, so I kind of got away from it. And right. Started you know going the grad school route and. Yeah, okay, you had uh, student radio, and it was like, hey, what do you have to do to do play-by-play? They're like, just show up. <laughs> and so here I was. Yeah, so here I, here I was, like, the, the grad student with all these, like, undergrads who are, you know, 18 and 19, and I'm like, you know, mid twenties. I'm like, hey guys, can I can I do some games? <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, it's I, gonna be great. I think I know, I know Harry Carey. I yeah, mean, I, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, so we did that, and like, you know, last couple of years I was there, I started getting involved with the athletic department and calling like the random sports, like, mm-hmm. you know, track and field, <laughs> women's soccer, and stuff like that, which was super fun. Uh, but yeah, then came up here to Eau Claire, moved up here. My wife got the job at UW Eau Claire, and uh, yeah, reached out to Mike Sullivan, who's like, you know, Mister Legendary Sports Dude, and, right? Uh, Eau Claire and and he yeah got brought me on and rest is history. So she makes so. the money. 
<laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, I, yeah, I got to put it together from like three or four different gigs to to get anywhere. <laughs> if close, I combine yeah. everything I'm yeah, doing, yeah, you know, including then, police informant, right, <laughs> right. Is that does that check, New does gig. That check come in the mail? I'm not sure. Let's let's talk to uh, to Jesse James about right. that. See what we right. can make happen. Yeah, uh, for you sure. Know, you know, you mentioned Harry Carey, and it, it's one thing I didn't have on my notes, but I, I wanted to talk about you know when you find somebody that you gravitate towards, especially when you end up making a career out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in sports broadcasting, I mean, obviously there's the legends. I think Harry Carey is on there, Vince Scully. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all these guys, that, um, the legends of sports broadcasting, especially when you fo- you know focus on baseball. Um, you know, th- growing up in Wisconsin, obviously they're the, the Packer fans that we had, or Packer fans listening throughout the course of their years. Uh, newer Packer fans, obviously Wayne Larravee mm-hmm. um, is the guy, Larry McCarron. Someday he will get that pinky fixed. Mm. No, he won't. I see. Yeah, no. I see him doing that. Oh, he's either the Packer Report or whatever he does on uh, does it for Packers dot com, and then he does his uh, his show on on TV. And I'm like, dude, you know, it's I can't tell. What, like, if you're trying to do like point out how the play is going to run, I'm not sure what direction. <laughs> it's you, too much of a thing. You got to paint. Yeah, that's yeah. it's just a part of it. Yeah. Um, and then of course Jim Irwin, uh, you know, mm-hmm. way back in the in the the 80s or into the 90s. But uh, when I talk about a guy like like Bob Uecker, mm-hmm. um, who as a Brewer fan and watching uh, him last year uh, when the Brewers made their playoff run, I apologize. You're in my basement and I no, you're good. And a Cubs and a Cubs shirt. Um, sorry. My best friend's a Cubs fan and I bust his balls on a daily basis about it. But and when you see a guy um, and I think Harry Carey falls into that Vince Scully, I think is in that same vein, but the broadcaster, the guy that's in the booth is so intertwined with that franchise is so, a part of it when he was in the locker room and they're pouring Miller mm-hmm. lights on him. I mean, I imagine for Uke, because uh, he's you know he's been there forever. He's a part of the organization before, um, and has seen some successes. But this youthful team that he is like now, I don't know. It, it, that was probably one of the cooler moments I think associating a sports broadcaster with you know the players that are on the field on a daily basis. Yeah, a lot of hard years for for Uke <laughs> for sure. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me like in, not a bro- not a broadcaster obviously, but like Bill Murray in the in the locker room when the Cubs won the yeah. World Series, right? Same it, thing. Just a lot of like you know oh, it, it took this long kind of feeling too. And um, and yeah, yeah, it it is. You are very much so a part of the team, especially come the summertime with the Express. You know, I'm I'm running around on the bus with these guys and getting to learn about them and you know i hear all the stupid games they play on the bus and all the you know (laughs) dumb things that they say and all that kind of stuff too so yeah you really become you know you become tight with them and and that kind of thing so i'm sure they're the same way right i mean it's more about seeing those guys specifically right you know succeed which is which is cool and having a chance you know uh, to work with the eau claire express uh, and 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 be their their call guy uh it's been so cool. I think, you know, I was, I was here when the franchise first moved into town. Um, I think right behind you, there's actually the first year edition of, uh, the Eau Claire Express Jersey um, that we had printed up, uh, when we partnered with them as with a radio station. Um, but when you get a chance to see some of these guys that, um, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like major league baseball sports or any, any sport, you know, the guys that play for the Packers or for, you know, the bears, usually are not from Chicago and did not grow up, you know, diehard fans. But, you know, as, as from the fans' perspective, when you see a guy who comes up, and a lot of these kids out of, you know, different universities, um, some in, you know, in the deep southwest, uh, you know, of the country, come up and, you know, they play for a year, sometimes two years, and all of a sudden you, you know, see them playing for Major League Baseball, you see them playing for these, you know, these organizations, it, it really kind of, you know, 
brings to light, I think, the importance or how Major League Baseball looks at the importance of a league like the Northwoods League. They're mm-hmm. using wooden bats. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're kids from all over that have to learn to play with each other. And, and you know, Dale Varsho has done some amazing yeah. things, uh, you know, in his tenure with Eau Claire. Tell me about being a part of that, that squad uh, in Eau Claire. Yeah, it's super cool. I mean, the history is definitely there, right? The Cole mm-hmm. Calhouns and Jordan Zimmermans and all those. And, I mean, even last, what, the last two All-Star games, it's been – uh, Chris Sale and Max Scherzer, who were two lacrosse loggers, yeah. right? I mean, crazy. The, so they've had over 200 now guys who've made major league teams that have been in the Northwoods League. So that's pretty awesome. And yeah, I mean, Dale's, you know, Dale's a great guy to know if you if you're a baseball person, right? right. I mean, like yeah. there's guys who want to come up here and coach with them because they know he knows everybody. And and yeah, it, it becomes development. It becomes having fun in the summer. You know, I mean, it becomes all that kind of stuff. And he's he's really really good at kind of like knowing what buttons to push and you know what you know how to ha- kind of have the right pulse of the team and all that kind of stuff he's he's a super cool dude and um and yeah just getting to learn from them and hang around them you know and not you know realize that you don't that i know very little about baseball when i start talking <laughs> to them and i go wow you know every once in a while you see him do things like you know they'll put on some play some pickoff play or something like that and he knew exactly what pitch to do to do it on exactly because he's been around the league yeah. for that been around baseball for that long yeah um, seemingly forever yeah so it's cool and now we're at the point where i've been here long enough where it's guys that i've called are starting to you know make jumps in the minor leagues and then you know you're looking at like dalton varsho for yeah. instance like all right when's he gonna get called up you know he's number three number four prospect for the diamondbacks so you know you start following those guys and that becomes kind of cool too so so yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of fun and it's got to be fun to be you know gone for ten weeks in I was the summer. Say, <laughs> yeah, just like, kind of be running around and not. Honey, be here to I'll pre- be back. Yeah, that's why you do all your landscaping stuff during right. the uh, <laughs> during the early spring. You're right. like, well, I got to get this shit done, right. otherwise uh, right. I'm gone. Right, exactly. Uh, but no, I, I think it's 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 such a cool you know seeing it from not existing. You know, we had the Eau Claire Cavaliers. They you know that league and which is still around and mm-hmm. uh, doing their thing, but. You know, when the Express came in and, and the revitalization that happened at Carson Park, I think all because of that, not just, you know, the baseball field, uh, but, you know, the Hank Aaron tributes and everything that Eau Claire baseball, you know, has a long, long history uh, with Major League Baseball. But it even, that whole area seems to have kind of flourished because of, you know, constant traffic during the summer. Obviously, there's money coming in and out uh, of the doors out there um, and the Almost led to, I feel, you know, some of the improvements they made on the base or on the football field down yeah. there. So it's a really cool uh, story about how the Express and how how a team like that, how sport can come into a community. And I'm hoping that we see the same thing when we talk about the chip of steel. Mm-hmm. Is it just the, you get the people out and you know get them buying jerseys and get them you know involved with these players and, and watching their stories as they progress through you know the minors or back to college and then into the minors and then you know hopefully into a professional career. Um, it's really done wonders for this area. Um, on a on a sports professional level, um, originally are you originally from Kansas? Is that is that no? Or are you from Illinois? No, I'm originally from uh, uh, from Michigan actually. Well, I'm originally from everywhere. Oh, I, we we <laughs> pick moved a ar- team, man. Yeah, we moved it's around be tough a lot for you. when I was a kid. Yeah, um, but yeah, both my parents were from um, from Minnesota, so they okay. were. Um, you know, my dad was from North Dakota. My mom grew up in Moorhead, so they kind of had the Vikings twins sort of thing there, and then. Uh, we lived well, a little bit when I was a kid. We lived in suburbs of Chicago, so that's right. kind of where I picked up the Cubs and all the random teams. But yeah, we, I spent a lot of time in Michigan. That's where I went to high school and um, and college as well. So that's that's kind of usually where I say I'm from. But five years in Kansas, and now six years here in Eau Claire. So um, yeah, I'm all around, man. I could you know 
adopt whoever you want. <laughs> Which team yeah. should I wear? Yeah, Your exactly. closet is just a rainbow of different colors. Right. Well, as you're not going to see any green and gold in there, oh, sadly. Uh, but but on that note, though, um, yeah. all the places that you've been and all the you know the teams that you've watched, yeah, uh, is there a fan base that's more passionate, maybe to a crazy level, than fans of the Green Bay Packers? Well, I think on a statewide level. Definitely, right. um, for sure. I mean, you know, living in Lawrence, I mean, Kansas basketball is everything, right. right? So, I mean, but, you know, I mean, it's it's pretty much in the town, right? I mean, it's not too far outside of Kansas fans, just like there's Badgers fans all over the state of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it is it is intense, um, for sure, the, the, the Packers love that you get even in Eau Claire, which, I mean, let's be honest, like, it's, you know, it's, what, an hour and a half longer to get to Green <laughs> Bay, really two is. hours than it is to get to the cities. But, I mean, it's probably, what, 80, 20, somewhere in there in terms of, Packers to Vikings fans in this area and probably even more than that. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of love. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's, you know, what, you know, that Packer fandom, I think leads into one of my first questions is I was reading, um, it was, it was a, it's been a crazy couple of years from a Packer fan perspective. Yeah. Um, and I, the release of Clay Matthews, um, uh, I think it didn't shock a lot of people. Um, I mean, maybe it was like 60, 40 people that were like, well, wait. And then, you know, I remember reading an article about had like three or four plays. Um, and if you watch any of the games early on, especially early on this season, when Clay got some maybe questionable calls on roughing the passer, mm-hmm. which actually then ended up redefining what roughing the passer right. actually meant. Um, so those fouls wouldn't have been called. But do you imagine that kind of season, uh, not only for Clay as an individual, but the outcomes of games end up changing. I, mm-hmm. I look at that Minnesota game, and mm-hmm. you know, in particular, early on in the year, uh, where if a pass, you know, if a roughing the passer isn't called, the ball is intercepted. It's yeah. it's game over. It ends up uh, going in the Vikings' favor. Now, you know, you can say things could have obviously trended differently from there, but well, and kickers who weren't head cases. Well, either, you know, I mean, you had that as uh, an issue. The too year, the year of the kicker. I mean, yeah. geez, what is, I think yeah. Chicago Bears have like eight kickers in camp yeah. right now. It's yeah, something probably. ridiculous like that. But so Clay gets let go at the end of the year. You know, it was a contract year. These things happen um was he at the end of his uh his storied career maybe maybe not he's probably got a few good years left out and it's a great story i think for him as an individual because he gets to go back out you know to southern california you know where Mm. a usc kid um so i guess that's kind of cool but so the packers go through the nfl draft obviously they draft a linebacker uh with their 12th pick (laughs) whether you thought that was a great move or not on their part i guess that's you know neither here nor there but so they go, and I remember reading after the draft, and they started assigning numbers to these rookie players coming in. And, you know, Rashawn Gary, the guy from Michigan that they drafted, ends up getting number 52. And there was an article I was like, we love Packers. Some Facebook group, we love Packers, or the Packers are the best, or iHeartPackers. I'm not sure. It was some, yeah, one of those right. thousands of you know fan sites that are out there. Just the uproar of fans who were like, how dare you? Give this unproven rookie number 52 after we just released Clay Matthews and the legend. Obviously, you know, the flashbacks of the Super Bowl with the belt over Aaron Rodgers' shoulder. And and then they go and give their the tight end that they drafted. Uh, Jace, was it Jace Stern? Stern, Weiss, Sternberger? Hang on. I have, I <laughs> Sternmeister, yes. Sternmeister, yes. <laughs> no, Jace. Yeah. yeah. Jace. Yeah. We're very excited about it. And they give him number 87. Now, right. the love for Jordy Nelson is... Beyond, yeah. I mean, Jordy was a fantastic receiver, an amazing, and I think the the reason that he was such an amazing receiver is because him and Aaron Rodgers had like this unbreakable bond, like mm-hmm. almost inside of each other's head on a on a on a level that I don't think many see. Because you know, a, a guy out of K State, you know, mm-hmm. white farm kid, 
usually you don't think in the upper echelon of NFL receivers, but they made it happen because, you know, telling you what, that over the shoulder fade, that's made yeah. them so much money over the years. So they give the new kid, uh, tight end coming in at number 87. Yeah. And again, the same website, same article. How dare you give number 87 to this new kid? Uh, is there a, is this just, is this just like fans during the off season and the draft always kicks it up? Yeah. You know, free agency kicks it up. The draft kicks it up. And the NFL is genius at how they plan their year out. Oh yeah. Like nobody's business. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, did you forget about football? Guess what? <laughs> free agency opens today. Right. Oh, well now you, now the draft starts. Oh, now after May 7th, now you can get it, you know, un, you know, undra- somebody that's out there in a free agency market and not have to give up draft picks. Oh mm-hmm. my God, we're keeping it entertaining. But is this just fans being overly sensitive or is is this just the NFL doing what the NFL does? Yeah, I mean, I think it's part of that. I'm I'm with you on the like the draft, even mini camp and training camp and all that is just the most boring thing to me. I I, <laughs> I hate I hate the preseason. I hate all of it. I just like just get me to game one, get right. me to week one. That's all I really care about. Um, you know, and there's things that happen um during that time for sure that you know Teddy Bridgewater almost losing his leg, that kind yeah, of thing. I mean, those kind of things happen, right? But but that's about the only kind of noise that really matters to a season, right? So yeah, so I think it is a little bit that, but it is. It's like it's drumming up uh, controversy. It's drumming up, you know, website clicks and yeah. and and chances Guilty. for chances for radio guys to talk about it too. So and, and that's and yeah. that's a lot of it too. I it mean, is yeah up and down the dial. I mean, yeah. it, if you listen to anything, uh, you know, locally on sports talk radio, if you listen to anything on on uh, XM or, or you know even national syndicated shows that are out there, you know. They are well aware, and whether it's by proxy or whether it's by hey, we we know what where the ratings are, <laughs> where ratings go. It's really really easy to drum up a controversy on in the NFL at any time of the year. Well, give them credit. I mean, you know, look at the MLB. I mean, they've got issues with attendance, with ratings, yeah. with all that kind of stuff. And do you hear people talking about the MLB in December and? Uh, November, no, like yeah. you know, like after the World Series is over, you don't hear hear from them for a good three months. So, yeah, I mean, they do a great job of it. So, yeah, I mean, in, ter- in terms of those those players, I, I saw some Vikings fans getting upset. I think they gave the tight end that they drafted at Irv Smith, uh, number eighty four. Like, oh, you took Randy Moss. Oh, how, da- how dare you? Yeah, and it makes me think of the. I think it's the Yankees who they've got almost all of their single digit numbers retired now. Like you can barely <laughs> even. Um, uh, uh, have a single digit number now if you're if you're a Yankee anymore. So you know, I mean, the 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 number retirement, all that. I guess I just just go out there and play. Like right. I think a lot of people too, and you know, me not being a Packers fan, maybe you could talk more to this. But I think a lot of people have kind of grown tired of Clay Matthews a little bit near the end. I mean, he wasn't outside of the the plays that he was making where it was controversial with with roughing the passer he wasn't his, really doing much in that that many games yeah he got his he got his name out there no and i think you you know what you saw is when he came into the league and it was uh, it was a huge deal and it, there's there's certain flashbacks of um of this year a little bit because of the two picks in the first round but i remember watching uh, the Clay Matthews draft, uh, Packers again had an off year the year before. They ended up picking B.J. Raji early in that draft, jump back in, jump back up into the mm-hmm. mid-20s, and pick this kid, Clay Matthews. And then, you know, I, I think at that point, that was like USC was in there. That was the glory years. That was like, man, Pete Carroll and, you know, the Reggie Bush era and Matt Leinert when everybody thought he was going to light the world on fire when he got drafted. Well, he's doing really good commentary, I'm sure, for some sports <laughs> network somewhere. Yeah. But – 
you know, you saw a guy um, who who had the obviously Hollywood look. So that, you know, and, and it's almost the same like Jordy Nelson effect. Mm-hmm. You know, cute farm kid, and you know, the Packer fans I think are very you know very much a split um, as far as the sexes go. You know, yeah, a lot of female Packer fans and a lot of male Packer fans. But now you got this guy out of Southern California, flowing locks. You know, obviously a lot of a lot of shirts off pictures uh floating around on the internet and then they still are to this day flowing robes striking They're, yes <laughs> oh Lula. it's you know the the fabio thing yeah. and um, it's perfect and, yeah yeah, yeah. D- doing that uh, right. <laughs> doing some movies too but you had a guy i think uh, and you saw that definitely during the super bowl year and i think you know maybe a couple of years after is like a motor that didn't quit like yeah. you just he, he was on the field for every play he you know when he made a sack you knew he made a sack the arm you know the guns in the air and you know raw and i think i think somebody in our office used to have a a fat head of the the big open arms like oh, i just made a yeah. sack uh injuries obviously that's always a big concern and you know when you have a guy who has to play you know 99% of the snaps at outside linebacker and then makes the move to inside linebacker and then makes the move back to outside linebacker and is aging, mm-hmm. you're going to see a drop in numbers. And a guy that I think, you know, what you, if you are not just a, you know, closet or a window packer fan, you just watch the games for the sake of having three hours to drink on a Sunday <laughs> or Thursday or, you know, Monday night, whatever, you know, you, you kind of saw a guy who didn't feel like he had the heart in it anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's weird because then as soon as you let him go, you're mm-hmm. like, whoa, wait a, whoa, hey, you know, and that's what I think clicks, you know, the click links through, hey, if those plays weren't called, if it wasn't for officiating, you would have had a guy who had you know, nine and a half sacks, and that's pretty good, you know, for a guy who yeah. was often injured. But it's a Packer fans are, and, and I'm and I'm one of them. I mean, I, I I do I get into, I guess I shouldn't say that. I hadn't during the Ted Thompson era. I mm-hmm. never got into free agency because I'm like, well, we're not going to do anything. Yeah. It's fine, you know. The, the Charles Woodson thing from years ago maybe was the biggest biggest splash that they made, and and that that was the one that panned out. But when I think when you start talking new regime, you start talking new head coach and new philosophy of how they, you know, their draft maybe was a little bit on point with how Ted used to draft things. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute, like Ted I'm, 2.0. Yeah, yeah, like wait, like uh, like why are we drafting a guy with a you know torn labium in his shoulder right. um, who was like the third best linebacker at Michigan? And why are you trade like this? I couldn't understand this. Why they were trading up? In the first round to get a safety, and I get, yeah. and I get that he was like, you know, primal, you know, prime secondary um, type of guy. But I thought for sure they were going and grabbing that uh, that Mizzou quarterback. I thought for sure they were going to go get him, which yeah, would have been Lock, right on, yeah, which, which would have been right on par with them. Because since I'm not a fan of the Packers, and you know, it's Mizzou, um, which <laughs> don't get me into that rivalry with Kansas, oh but um, it would have been right on him. See, another reason not to root for the Packers for me. So. Um, but but yeah, I thought for sure they were going, and then they get a safety. I'm like, what are they doing? I couldn't. It just I I, I didn't. I, I can't imagine if you're a Packer fan that you're terribly excited after that draft. You know, I, I think it dep- it depends on what if you are like I said. I think window fan is one thing because window fans you want flash and you want mm-hmm. you want the guy that I guess it would have been Mike Mayock back before you know this year, but a guy that you know Mel Kiper Jr. is going to be like just gushing yeah. over like oh my god this you know I can't believe this guy fell um, or you know when they trade up oh this is the great move and I think they did that for Darnell Savage a little bit because yeah. I think he he is he will end up starting. You're, you're looking for the Aaron Rodgers pick. 
I mean, you're, exactly. lo- you're looking for that, right? I mean, like, I mean, yeah. If that when those things fall into your lap, so I think the the pick at twelve was a was I think in everybody's opinion a bit of a reach. Mm-hmm. Probably a guy you could have gotten at thirty, but how does that you know? Then where do you go at twelve? Um, I I thought the draft overall was was really well done. I think they're, mm-hmm. I think what, you know, people aren't seeing is that I think the Packers organization is really high on the receivers that they have. I think these guys who are now in year number two, uh, we talk about Valdez Scandling and you talk about, uh, you know, uh, St. Brown. I think they see a lot of potential in these guys. Mm-hmm. And that's not just because old regime, that's new coach coming in and saying, okay, yeah, I, I see how this is going to work. Jordan Allison coming back, obviously Devonte Adams, probably top five wide receiver in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, Tight end, maybe J- this is Jimmy Graham's last hurrah. You know, and, boy, it didn't look and, like and, it last year. Boy, well, he, it looked he, like his yeah. last hurrah was maybe in 2017 yeah. before he got yeah. uh, before he became a Packer. So I think that they're they're very comfortable with their offense because they have the best quarterback in football. You know, that's just well, they believe they have the best yeah. quarterback in football. I'll say that to a non-Packer fan. Yeah. Well, no, I'm I'm really curious how it's all going to fit together. Like, I mean, you know, he had the article that came out in uh, uh, the, oh, the Athletic, yeah. right, and that whole thing, and and now you've got you know new young coach Matt Lafleur, and um, how's that relationship going to work? Because I mean, I think it, I I think we can honestly say that it wasn't a good relationship between Rogers right. and McCarthy. Regardless, but I think what so, I think what yeah. happened with that when that article came out. Is it was what it, uh, not it was OTA like the first day of OTAs was a couple yeah. days later. Yeah, I think because you don't really hear about it anymore, mm-hmm. and it may it'll spring itself up. I'm sure at some point during if there's tumultuous you know yeah. it's a tumultuous situation between Lafleur and, and Aaron Rodgers. But like Aaron came out in defense of Mike McCarthy and said, "No, this is not how it was," mm-hmm. and it really it felt like. The story kind of died down. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you had you know, Jamichael Finley, and you had guys like Greg Jennings who were still coming out and kind of spouting off at the mouth. And I think maybe, maybe the national media picked up on the fact that these may be two kind of glory hounds that are just mm-hmm. like, like Greg Jennings, like dude, like <laughs> you would not be Greg Jennings if you didn't play for Aaron Rodgers. I'm I'm sorry that right. he thought you weren't, you know, maybe at a level that he was at. Right. And but and Jermichael, I know I. Jermichael Finley still rattles around in my head because I think he could have been one of the best tight ends, mm-hmm. if not in Packers history, then you know maybe top five in the NFL during his his prime. Because yeah. that dude was just a beast, and you know injuries are part of the game. I get that, but why he's coming to you know throw it's, fuel on it, the fire is odd to me. It's going to be an interesting season because it feels like this is the most maybe uncertainty you've had with the Packers for a long time. Right. It, I mean, it could be you know you could be contending for the NFC North. You could be. I mean, you can be down with the down with the Lions. I mean, I have no idea what to. Expect <laughs> no deference out of this to the team. one Detroit fan who listens to the podcast. Maybe sorry, maybe. Detroit fan. Sorry, you know how they count in, in Detroit, right? How they learn how to count? How do they learn how to count? Oh and one, oh and two, <laughs> oh and three. That's a little. That's a little joke. I like that. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Detroit. Detroit always seems to me like the fly that's in the room. Like yeah. every once in a while, you're like, ah, oh, eh, eh, I'll leave it. I mean, I, eventually they'll die. I spent a. I mean, I grew up a lot in Michigan, so yeah. I, I do know there are people who are quote unquote Lions fans. So um, they do exist. <laughs> it's, it's a real a, thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. They aren't paid and, actors coming yeah. into. Uh... They actually drive to Detroit, not Pontiac anymore. It's a. <laughs> it's a real deal. Yeah. Uh, and, and the you know the weird thing about not weird thing, but when you when you follow the Packers a long enough time from um, you know for me probably 90s early 90s when I got into him Linding and Fonte and you know Domikowski into uh you know a weird time into you know Mike Holmgren era mm-hmm. and 
all of a sudden winning, you know, traditional winning football. Like we win on a pretty consistent basis. Um, you know, the Ray Rhodes era was a little iffy, you know, eight and eight and out, but you know, always a, a real level of winning and a level of competitiveness. Um, and always that like respect, not respect isn't the right word. Cause I, I want that to come back and, and circulate, <laughs> but always this, like, we are the Packers. We win, you know, 14 yeah. time NFL champions and football champions and, you know, the history and all that stuff. And the one thing I love about LaFleur that, again, a lot of Packer fans are against is he comes in and he says, We respect the history. Mm-hmm. We get, we won Super Bowl one and two and we got one in the 90s and we got one in the 2000s. But I'm going to repaint the hallways here that's all this like memorabilia of yeah. how it used to be. Cause what we want to do is have these kids who, probably through fathers and uncles and other people know in, in watching football know the history, but they want to go out and create their own right. future. And I think that was a, a really bold statement uh, and, a, and a new philosophy of thinking because every other coach that's come in has always been about, well, this is, we are the Packers. We have our, you know, our foot is in the ground. Lambeau field is a, a you know, Mecca. It's where people come to, which I still, I still believe is true, but really a new, philosophy and a new regime there in uh, in Green Bay which is going to be interesting to watch I think because it could be both it could be mm-hmm. contending for you know the NFC North at least um you know these guys that are in their second year start stepping up you have some you know rookies maybe maybe Gary turns out to be the you know second coming yeah. of Khalil Mack you, you yeah. know you just don't know how this guy's going to pan out so it'll be a very interesting uh season to watch um uh, we talked a little bit last night during our uh, who's the guy in the black hoodie conversation <laughs> right. um, about the Milwaukee Bucks yeah. um, who are having a very, they had a very successful year. Yeah. Um, obviously number one team in uh, the NBA, number one team in the East uh, breeze through the first round of the playoffs um, are battling with the, uh, the Celtics in the second round, looking to go to, um, you know, conference championship games. Um, and I think we, we both were on the same page. Like, well, I'm just not a huge basketball fan. Like, I, yeah. like I was, the game was on, and then I was like, I know what I could do for the, the next two hours <laughs> is watch something else, right? And then come back when there's about four minutes left. Because at that point, at least I'll have a good gauge of like, do I have to really watch this last four minutes? Is it close? Is it is it exciting? Are we up by ten? Are we down by twenty? But I think the the cool thing about the Bucks, um, and just from a Wisconsin resident, lifelong Wisconsin resident. We've been through the weirdest of times in Milwaukee. You know, yeah. we've had uh, not never really a team that were like, "This is a contender." Mm-hmm. Well, we were, we feel good about this. We were really on the verge a couple of years ago to not having a basketball team mm-hmm. in Milwaukee. Um, thank you, Pfizer Forum, uh, and the people of Milwaukee put that thing up. But now you have this like, and the Jason Kidd era. And my Glenn yeah. Big Dog Robinson jersey, which there is still it's still hanging proud and purple in the closet. It's my only piece of purple I own. <laughs> um, but there is like this rejuvenization of Milwaukee, of um, I think with the new stadium that's down there, not not just for basketball, but the things that they can mm-hmm. do in that that arena. Um, but to have the success of this team, and then I think from you know, obviously you you know you're a sports guy in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. you have to cover these these you know the three big teams, well four if you count Wisconsin Badgers. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, there's a weird feeling in the air that. The Bucks may be the Wisconsin team, yeah. That is the first to win a championship in their respective sport in the state. Which I don't think anybody, even a year ago, even maybe, yeah, last year, would yeah. have not put that that bold of a statement out there. But I think it's there, loud yeah. and clear. Yeah, I was having this conversation. It was like 
you know, when I came, when we moved to Wisconsin, it was, you know, Packers and Badgers, right? I mean, right. those are the two mm-hmm. teams that are successful at winning. And I, now you look at it now, it's, I mean, the Brewers and the Bucks are the two teams. And they yeah. were the and they were the joke, you know, <laughs> six years ago, right? I mean, yeah. Bucks couldn't win. The Brewers were whatever, um, you know, once every ten year kind of team. Um, and now those now those are the teams to to watch compared to the to the Packers and the Badgers. Still still watch, but um, they're the ones that are doing well. So yeah, the Bucks are really interesting. It it's great to watch like the national media coverage because it is <laughs> it is clear. And you know, I mean, before the season started, I mean, you had plenty of uh, people at the mothership talking about. How you know this was the Celtics in the East, and that's who it was, who it's going to be. You know, it's going to be Celtics Lakers again because of the LeBron, and of course, you know how that all went. <laughs> how'd that um, work out there? How's, how's yeah. it working out? And I was, you know, it's always weird because you, when you get in the NBA, especially this time, this time of the year, you know, officials have a lot to do with things and mm-hmm. that. And you, and you mm-hmm. got to imagine that the NBA and and everything, everything is working against the Bucks, even though they're top team in the in the East and all that kind of stuff, but. I don't think anybody nationally really wants the Milwaukee Bucks in the in the NBA Finals, even with Giannis and even with their story. I don't think they want it. Absolutely not. No, yeah. I think, and I even noticed that last night because I did have the uh, the the national pregame show on, um, and I think it, it 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 was Paul Pierce. So I mean, I get it. You know, he's going to have a bias, mm-hmm. but I didn't hear anything about Game Two. I mean, we're going into Game Three. No, and I didn't hear anything <laughs> from really anybody that was on that panel. Yeah. Um, now there, I think there was maybe one, Chauncey Billups. I think he mentioned something about, did you watch Game Two? Because um, I, I get it that they came out in Game One and you got punched in the mouth. Yeah, and it was not. I mean, I, I turned that game on and in the third quarter, I'm like, oh, this is, oh wow. Like I'm not a P1 basketball fan, but I'm like, this hurts me. And yeah. I have no. I mean, the vested interest, obviously, I think, is the success of a Wisconsin sports team and the story of Giannis and the story of the coach and um, and how this team has come together, but. I was like, wow, this, I guess you just found out what the Bucks were all about. <laughs> well, it's like last night you had you had a four-overtime game between Portland and Denver. Right. And can you imagine if there was a four-overtime game with, you know, if it was the Lakers versus the, the, the Warriors? I mean, oh my gosh. people would be saying it's the greatest NBA playoff game of all time. And people are going to be like, oh, yeah, that's right, Denver. And who's on those teams? Wait, this, who's those guys? What's P-O-R even yeah. stand for? Po- oh, po- oh yeah, okay. Portland. Portland's got a team. They have huh? a team in Oregon? Are the yeah. Supersonics back yet in yeah. Seattle? They got like, what do they got? They got under a million people in their town? Or what do they got? Yeah, <laughs> what's so the, it's... What's the total pop there? <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's um, it's really interesting. It's uh, This is a this is a weird NBA playoff uh, season, especially without LeBron in it. Right. Um, and... And you've got Houston kind of playing the the underdog card right now of the everybody I can't see everybody scratch yeah. my eyes everybody's out to get see. us right like no one's calling fouls for us and now you got Harden yeah who's got scratched corneas or retinas or whatever and uh, yeah it's just uh, it's I love how we came back playoff. and played in the game and then during his post game interview he was like looking down like I can't see anything like my, yeah my, my eyes are so sore man literally like some kind of horror movie bleeding <laughs> from the eyes and then dude yeah. next to him had a weird hat on it was yeah. just a weird but I think yeah. the, you know with the Bucks and and the success that they've had and I think you know if if Giannis isn't the best player in in basketball yeah. um you know show me somebody that's that's better somebody yeah. and and I think they there was a finally a realization last night because I'm not sure who the guy was who was uh, who was doing color on the game last night, but he was the same guy who did color in game one, and definitely has a Boston bias. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bilbo, Bobo, something I can't recall his name. Yeah, but even when Giannis was making like these amazing plays, it was like yeah, he he wrapped around the baseline and came up and you know foul and and the shot goes in and well you know in game one. Uh, yeah. They were really defending that line, but you can tell. I'm like, this is a guy, uh, and again, from a non a, not a basketball fan, um, 
but obviously, you know, I watched Jordan and I watched Shaq and I watched Kobe and I watched the big guys play. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everybody was a Bulls fan back in the '90s because that really was the only thing right. that that you watched. But now you have this monster of a player who I think in the, the same vein of, the, of those players that I mentioned, um, not yet I think at their at their level, but somebody you go that dude can literally could take over a game. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've seen him do that yet. I don't think we've seen no. like, okay, um, everybody, you know, Bledsoe Middleton, you're shooting like crap. And we, you know, here's, here's how we're going to run this yeah. offense. Giannis just fits into it right now and obviously excels at it. But if, if, if the time came that you need to say, you need to win this game for us, he's one of the guys, I think, like I mentioned, the Jordans, the LeBrons, the Shaqs, the Kobe's um, that go, give me the ball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, you see a little bit of that out of Embiid too at Seventy uh, yeah. Sixers, like a guy who could potentially take over game. So you're gonna get. I think you're gonna get a guy this year, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Giannis who's like, this is their moment, like where they yep. kind of cement a not not a whole legacy, but like the start of the legacy. Right. Here, of, here's of where the, the the story. I mean, obviously the story began yeah. a long, long time ago in a land far, far away. <laughs> um, if you can pronounce Antetokounmpo. Yeah. Um, right. As long, as long as it's not the Warriors, I think at this point is kind of where I'm at, which I, I I get. I mean, everybody loves the Warriors and all that, but I'm not like Draymond Green can like I'm done with that dude. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Yeah, but I just I, let somebody else win. Especially I think you for have those, those casual fans. Yeah. I think you have those teams that I don't want to say come out of nowhere, but really, you know, before Steph and before you know the big changes that they made out um, with Golden State. Golden State was like like the fourth team in California. You're like, what? No, Lakers, and then there's oh yeah, Sacramento. Uh, all of a sudden, the Warriors got good, and then they're really good, and then all of a sudden, they're bringing KD in, and things just get a little too attitudinal, and the shimmy's cool for a while, and all of a sudden, you're like, you're an asshole, um, yeah. and, and then again, you laugh when Giannis does it, because you're like, I know what you just did there. Right. You just made fun of Steph Curry, which right. is awesome. Right. Um, but no, it's, it's a really weird position to be in from the state of Wisconsin, because you are looking at... Um, especially if you look at the Brewers of last year, and we'll get into some Brewer talk um, here in a little bit, but that was a team last year that you're like, damn, like we we could win the whole damn thing. Yeah. Like I, there was there was it, game seven. I People mean, starting it, to believe and yeah. And when you went, you know, when the Brewers went into L.A. last year, which we'll talk about, it was like, okay, well, obviously everybody hates us, and it's the same thing with the mm-hmm. Bucks. Nobody thinks Milwaukee is going like, well, they really did good during the regular season. I think the Celtics were just not playing well, so they could play well now. Which All is so one it's so interesting because that is very much Bucks and Brewers, and maybe it goes back to that you know they were bad for so long that no right. one really thinks about them. But it's for for how the small market kind of feel like no one no no national media East Coast West Coast cares about us to the Packers who. They're the one team that kind of transcends right. all that. Yeah, all of a sudden, they're, you know, they're Ameri- yeah. the new America's team and all that, and everybody loves them and uh, and, and all that. So it's just kind of it's it's interesting that those two teams don't get that same kind of transferred love from the Packers, and who knows why? Favre, right. it's whoever you know who kind of developed that whole thing. So yeah, and I think that I think that probably was the man who started it was yeah. was the Brent Favre era and the story of I remember I'm, I was watching that game the touchdown to Kittrick Taylor to beat uh the Bengals in a you know probably insignificant you know right. regular season game um but all of a sudden all the national attention went to Green Bay because they had been horrible for so long you know mm-hmm. they, um and now that history up is like the biggest story why do you think the Packers and Bears are kicking off you know the hundredth season of the right. NFL and why do you think the Packers did the hundredth season last year he's like well we were here we were here before you yeah right. I don't know what you're talking right, about right. but the, but the bucks and, and maybe that's it maybe it is that um 
small market, even though I think when you're, when you live up here, you're like Milwaukee. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's like the metropolis that right. we try to stay away from, you right. know, at certain points of the year, but on a national scale, um, just the, the I mean, not even like trying to fake bias for yeah. how much the announcers, oh, they want, they want the Celtics oh, real man, bad. Does, oh, and real bad. And I think if you have like NBA purists, which I am definitely not one, uh, but just like watching outside and kind of paying attention to the season a little bit and watching mm-hmm. some games and, uh, and, and because they were so good during the regular season and the stories kind of came out, you know, this development of a 76ers bucks rivalry yeah. is like a real thing that I'm not sure the NBA really wants to happen. They're like, wait, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't, you know, Boston, New York, this isn't, you know, Boston, yeah. LA or New York, LA. Like, wait a minute. Like, I, nobody wants Philly and Milwaukee to be like the two yeah. teams that are like, oh, this is prime time. Which should be, it'd be great. MB, it like, be. Embiid versus Antetokounmpo. I mean, it'd be great. I, you know, you, you can almost see the intro <laughs> intro yeah. now, but um, it's it's a it's a really cool, it's it's cool in a weird situation to be in where you're like, yeah, Friday night, what are you doing? I'm watching the Bucks game. Like, really? Like, yeah. There's nothing else on? Who like, knew? your fourth episode of Ghost Adventures? I'm like, <laughs> oh, I've seen this one already, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, jumping into, uh, and we talked a little bit about the Brewers, and I think, you know, watching them grow as a team. Mm-hmm. And I think if you've like really getting into it from the CC Zabathia era um, into how, you know, the team that it is now, because mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of where this, you know, the revitalization of, of the MB logo kind of yeah. came back into play. Uh, Pinstripe Friday kind of became a thing and all this, you know, Miller Park obviously becoming a thing, which it will be. A, we can say that for the next, what, year and a half, yeah. year. Just kind of AFI or whatever they're AFI calling it. Yeah. Field at I don't know. It's, yeah. it's weird, but this Brewers team um, that definitely last year put it on display. Um, somehow, still without a real ace starting pitcher, without the, this this new philosophy uh, of well, we're a bullpen team. You know, all of our powers in the bullpen, and in in last year especially, probably the best closer in you know one of the best closers in baseball with Josh Hader, but. When you talk about the Brewers this year, um, and it's so early, and I mm-hmm. and I and I, I, I was on a, a sports talk show a, a last year, middle of the season, and talking about the Brewers Cubs series, and how pivotal that series was to the outcome of the season. 162 games is a long, long season. Mm-hmm. It, they don't call them the dog days of summer for a reason. And when October comes, you're like, yes, finally meaningful right. baseball. But it's so early in the year, and but I, I do think that there are indicators of, okay, that's going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think starting pitching will always be an issue. Has the definition of a starting pitcher changed? I mean, I, I'm sure if you were watching baseball as a as a kid or watching Harry Carey, yeah, guys not going nine innings yeah. was like, well, that's or they or they went eight and the closer came in. Yeah, they were talking about it yesterday in the um, uh, in the Cubs game because Kyle, Kyle Hendricks had an 81 pitch complete game. Um, which is nuts yeah, and unheard of, and and they they call it apparently there, and I didn't know this was a term, but apparently if you have a hundred pitch complete game shutout, it's called a, it's called a Greg Maddox. That's a Greg <laughs> Maddox game, and that's and that's the wow. guy I always think of. You know, them pitch to contact guys, and yep. they don't care about strikeouts and spin rate and all the new stuff, right? I mean, it's just get outs, the and analytics get out of, here. of baseball. Yeah, man, all spin rate and exit velocity and. You know, launch angle and all that good stuff. <laughs> launch, launch it. Ryan Braun went to a class right. during the oh offseason to change his launch angle. Yeah, we're actually getting uh, new things at uh, Carson Park this year where we're going to be able to uh, read spin rate and all this. Wow. They're installing some 
some analytics. It's not not uh, just a guy behind them. Behind yeah, the plate yeah, with a, yeah. With a, you know, it's not just our random speed gun. Yeah, our random speed gun that who knows if it was left in the in the press box over the winter. You know, it's not <laughs> calibrated it's at all. Still accurate. Yeah, dude, dude's on one hundred and ten. Yeah, Call definitely, definitely one hundred and ten. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So uh, the Brewers, man, I, I, I wasn't a believer at all last year. Maybe that's partly because I'm a Cubs fan. Um, but I can see that being your downfall. One, well, one sixty-three. It might. It might be exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I. This year, it seems like some of those things are getting exposed, and why yeah. they move some of these guys who started last year to the bullpen and moving them around. I. It, it just seems like they've got some major issues. I mean, Bronze, he had the home run right where they won three one the other night, um, and a couple things there, but. Outside of Yelich and a couple other guys, they haven't really started that great offensively. Um, you know, I mean, Eric Thames comes in and he's hitting all these bombs, but he's on the bench most of the time. Right. Yeah. Um, for for a guy like Jesus Aguilar, who thank God in the last week has finally found, started oh, to figure it here's out. Here's my bat. I don't just have to like go up there and look at things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been very weird. You look at some of those. I don't say advanced stats, but just things like run differential. I mean, you know, they're a couple games up or a game game or two above 500, but their run differential is like minus in the teens or something like that. So. I don't know. I, I I think they've got issues, and I don't. I I think if it almost felt like they kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, blew their load a little bit early in yeah. the season. I mean, that first yeah. Cubs series, it felt like they were back in the playoffs again. I'm like, and you just like you said, this is 162 game season, man. Like you guys got to back off a little bit. It's a bit. marathon. Yeah, you don't need to throw Josh Hader for three innings to close a game. Like like figure out how yeah. to win a different way so that you don't ruin everybody in the first two weeks of the season yeah i think there is it felt like that during the first uh first series of the year even the first couple of series of the year it felt like you were still in playoff yeah. mode where it felt like uh, a lot of long balls and and i mean we'll get to christian yelich and how he may be just the perfect baseball player just mm-hmm. like in a just physique and swing and how he plays the outfield and he, he may be Eventually, he will end up in Cooperstown, I think, if this trajectory yeah. continues. Um, but 14 home runs in the month of May is pretty impressive. Yeah. But you you looked at how – I mean, they got a new pitching coach in. Those things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got you got kind of the same guy in Craig Council. He, he feels like he had a hangover from the Dodgers series. Mm-hmm. Like, if I would have done that, if I would have you know pitched Hater four innings, and it – Sorry, Hater's going fastball. Yeah, you know, he'll surprise you once in a while, but he's going fastball and he's going fastball, and then you're not going to have Josh Hader anymore. Right, and I think you've already seen some signs of that already early on in this season. But you're relying on the long ball. You're not playing small ball at all. I mean, I haven't seen any. Who, who was who was the coach um, uh, manager before uh, Council? Not Yost. Was it Yost Yo- before? Yeah. Yost yeah. was the king. Medley. Yeah. He was the king of <laughs> yeah. the suicide squeeze. Like, yeah. I know we had to run around third. Guess what we're gonna do? And we're bunting. Or right. we're, you know, we're we're just trying to put the ball in play. That 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 doesn't seem to be existent right now. You are just waiting for somebody to get hot. You know that Yelich is gonna get hot. You yeah. know he's there's a pretty good chance that he's gonna homer at least a couple times during the course of a week. So you can kind of rely on yep. that. You know that there's a pretty good chance that um, Lorenzo Cain is going to get on base. That's just kind of what he does. Braun, you know, eh. <laughs> right. Eight, do you have him in the lineup? Um, yeah. You know, or is you know Ben Gamble? Is he going to be? Yeah. I mean, I love the. I'm going with this beard thing. It's uh, we'll talk about that. But I'm trying. But <laughs> getting it there. Yeah, it's it's a process. But there's a just all this relying on the long ball and starting pitching, which is like it's okay. We got you know Chassin, and eventually 
Jimmy Nelson is going to come back and be the savior. I'm like, okay, I, I'm trying to understand this Jimmy Nelson industry in injury. Like, okay, his arm is fine. Like he didn't get mm-hmm. hurt. Like he didn't have Tommy John. He didn't like tear rotator cuff or, you know, elbow. Th- no, he like got hurt on a run play. Yeah. Like tell me that, that story, that whole story just feels a little bit weird to me, but to think that he is going to be the, you know, a two in this mm-hmm. rotation when you have guys like Corbin Burns, you're like, okay, back to minors, bring yeah. you back up. Okay, now you're not a starter. Now you're in the bullpen. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, now Chase Anderson's the second coming. Okay, maybe he's not. Let's go get Gio Gonzalez back. Like, yeah. he, like he's not. He was like the. He 12th. couldn't make it with the Yankees. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to play if I make. You're if you don't play for the major league roster in the Yankees, you're just not going to play at all. Yeah. I'll, I'll just be sitting at home waiting for the Brewers to call. So weird. Yeah, this, the, the, it's the, weird. It's a weird vibe in Milwaukee right now. Yeah, the whole team and and that I I think you know messing with pitchers too much. I mean, I can tell you from being around pitchers in the summer and college. These are college guys, right? Yeah. But you start messing with them too much, and it I mean they they start to become little head cases, right? right? I mean, you talk to position players, they'll tell you you don't mess with a pitcher's head too much. You right. just kind of let him do his thing, and and you go for it. So yeah, and, and I think the other issue too is that the, the NL Central is as a as a division is up this yeah, year too. Better. I mean, it's the Cardinals better. are much better. I mean, they went out and improved. Pirates had a good start to the season. So, and you know, the Cubs are going to be there again. They got Darvish back and everybody. So um, I, I think it's going to be a much more difficult road this year. So if they don't figure that out yet, um, I, I think they could be in some trouble here, here early, which, which would be too bad. Cause you'd like to see them, you know, kind of follow up that year. I mean, they've never really had that follow up year, right? I mean, yeah. was it 2011 when they won the NL central the last time? It's great season for them, exciting, just like it was last year near the yeah. end, all that kind of stuff. And then, I mean, they just went to oblivion the next year. You just you you didn't even hear of them. Um, so so that's what uh, that's what you're hoping for is some kind of follow up, a little bit of sustained success. You know, kind of like the Royals a, a few years ago, yeah. right? When they yeah. you know they got to the uh, ALCS, they didn't complete it, but then the year got back again, they won the World Series the next year. You know, it kind of felt like they had unfinished business. Um, and they've kind of said that at the beginning of the year, but you haven't really gotten that feeling yet. From these guys that right. they're that they're really in and they're really like jazzed to get back there. Yeah, so. I mean, it, run as many promo videos as you want yeah. about how yeah. you know we're in the weight room during the off season and we're, you know, we're taking BP and we're you know, like I said, Ryan Braun taking you know you know trajectory classes. During I hate the, that promo uh, video just, that you're talking about. Like, I hate it. It's all right. so much. I'm like, that's yeah, yeah. I mean, this you know, it's like a hype video. Like yeah. I feel, and then you watch them, and you're like, wait, like um, I didn't see one starting pitcher in that whole video. Is that weird? Yeah. Um, so I, I think there is there was clearly some issues that even at this early juncture of the season, and and you know, last year they had a you know started off on fire. I mean, that beginning of last season, I think everybody's like, okay, the Brewers are for real. Tailed off, All Star break, you're like, eh. and then the impeccable run of you know the mid August through September. That that put them in a position to be in 163, you know, be in the playoffs first and foremost with that last series, and then go okay, we we're going 163 with the Cubs, um, and then be able to make it one game away from uh, you know from uh, the World Series. It's just, but there is a mentality that I think it is an unfinished mm-hmm. business thing, but you cannot manage or play in the first month and a half of the season. Like you're playing in September. No, you can't. And one of my one of my favorite things that I've learned from being around Dale with the Express in the summers, and I think one of the things he does, well, maybe his best quality as a coach is that he doesn't get too too far up and he doesn't get too far down. You could, I mean, we could walk off against somebody and amazing comeback win, 
or we could get, you know, I mean, give up five runs in the ninth inning and lose, and you'd have no idea right. afterward when you get on the bus. They'll crack some joke, and then we off we go. Um, and part of that's because you get, you get too high after a win. Well, okay, now there's 50 games left for the season, right. or there's whatever. There's a lot left Why are you do like it's not worth it? Yeah, and it, council and looks it, like he's gonna have a coronary. Yeah, like about the just, seventh inning of every game. Like, just relax, like it's 162 games. Just chill. Like this is not the end of the world if you lose, and it's not the it's not. You didn't win the World Series if you won. Yeah, and yeah. it's it, it, just watching Council. I think mannerisms, um, and, he, and he's he's, I want to say an even keel guy, but he's just he's not the the jokester. He, you know, there's rare, yeah. rare times that he's like <laughs> smiling, but when you can tell when they get in this, I've, I've watched games even this year where they've been in the seventh inning mm-hmm. and had a four run lead, mm-hmm. and he looks like fuck, um, <laughs> yeah. like. Like he's like he's got his hand on the you know the call to the bullpen like okay um because we're gonna give this these runs up and it's right. gonna we're gonna end up tied like should I bring when what should do I have I, to do yeah, when should I bring Hader in when did I pick you know you can just tell that he is like and I'm not you know I I think a lot maybe does look at that you know when you change a pitching coach after you had a really successful run mm-hmm. and you've kind of built this we don't need starting pitching we'll get guys that in some instances will come in and pitch to one batter yeah. <laughs> Which happened last year. Yeah, we have a plan. It's going to be fine. Into okay, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. This this isn't going to work for the longevity of a 162 game season. So, it'll be an interesting watch. But I I, I do want to just I think state for the record, Christian Yelich may be the best player in baseball. He just I mean I want to say all around player. Yeah. I mean from a guy who, um, again hit 14 home run who was MVP last year. Yeah, I, I they're without question best player in baseball last year. But came out hot. I mean, the first couple of series, you're like, wow, uh, this is a weird uh, – like usually those guys will kind of start off a little bit slower mm-hmm. um, or at least have kind of even numbers with their last year. But they had 14 home runs and then get hurt and still be like, oh, I tied a major league record. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't play the last two games of the month. Um, but just maybe one of the prettiest swings that I've seen in, in watching many years of baseball. I'm like, wow, I just – even when he strikes out, I'm like, damn, that was a good swing. Like yeah. I just – I he does everything right. right. I mean, it's just it, it, everything looks like you say. Everything looks looks perfect, and it's not flashy, mm-hmm. anything like that. I wouldn't call him the flashiest player in baseball. Oh, I wouldn't not, call him no. any of that. But yeah, all around pretty good. I mean, Bellinger's having a ridiculous start yeah, to the season. Um, I mean, statistically, right? I mean, it, it's it's too bad for Yelich because Yelich would easily be your front runner MVP if it weren't for what Bellinger's done with with the Dodgers, and if he wouldn't have taken a you know well, a week week off yeah yeah. right um but yeah so it's it's interesting because yeah Yelich has had a great start and so I think it's going to be a battle between those guys I'm not sure if if Baez will you know get his numbers up now Baez I think in terms of watching players I think he can do he he is the most exciting player to watch yeah because he does things that you go you shouldn't be able to do that yeah I mean he avoided that tag at first base what a week ago Mm -hmm. um on a little dribbler and it was just like there's no one else in the league who can do that there's no one, right? Um, which is super cool to watch. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you're right. Yelich is is he's they found the right guy. I mean, can you imagine the if you could go back in time, what four or five years ago with the Marlins? Yeah. Hey, you got you <laughs> you should be winning the World Series. You like have Giancarlo. Legit. I mean, they had legit. all these dudes who just were amazing, and they just I mean, absolutely wasted them. Yeah, absolutely and, wasted and, and you see you see the repercussions of losing that kind of talent in that organization it's like it's like early you know it's late 90s early 2000s minnesota twins yeah. i mean you go back i mean 
David Ortiz and Tori Hunter and all these guys, and you're like, how in the world did you guys not win stuff? Like, what did you do to lose so much in the early 2000s when you had ridiculously good players, I think Hall that, of Fame players? Yeah, that, that goes, I think, to look at when you look at a, a, a team. And maybe the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees had a lot of that, uh, you know, when they were on their historic runs and they were – Basically, it was you know it was like the, it's like the tiger thing. It's like mm-hmm. it's tiger versus the field. Yeah. It was the Yankees versus the rest of baseball. Um, they maybe had that. Okay, we have you know obviously you had a Rod for a while there. You had Jeter. You have all these guys, um, and and then you start to throw their starting pitching staff in there. And mm-hmm. okay, maybe they had that lineup that was like, oh my god, this is like star power. Like yeah. everybody there, um, Robinson Cano back. You know when when he first came up, and we're like, okay, he's the next. You know, yeah, the second coming of of you know, Griffey Jr., whoever he was going to be. But, like, that that doesn't seem like that works much outside of that big money you yeah. know, organization. You can't have all this talent because for somehow, some way, outside of New York, like, it that doesn't it doesn't work to have all of that talent yeah. in one organization. Well, they just won't pay it, you know. I mean, not, the Dodgers have started paying should. it more, right? right? I mean, the Cubs pay it a little bit. The Red Sox have been doing that, obviously, but... Um, you know, I mean, and you know, and then you got the influx of Moneyball and all the you know types of you know, can we find the diamond in the rough players who everybody are overlooking and that. So you're trying to see these guys who are doing mixes of that. So this is the interesting thing, like seeing Theo Epstein in Chicago. It's like, well, yeah, he, he's trying to do this Moneyball deal, but oh, by the way, you've got pretty much an unlimited budget as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah uh, the, the checks aren't going to bounce. Yeah, you yeah. Know, when you're so I can do whatever I want to do with that. Yeah, yeah it's really it's yeah, a, it's it, interesting dynamic. And he came from a pretty successful organization himself, yeah. Yeah. so it's it's really cool to see. Yeah. Um, I, I heard this the other day when I was listening to I can't remember if it was it was on SiriusXM or if it was on on Sports Talk Radio. Um, but it, the, I think the the mention was of it, they, were, they started talking about Christian Yelich because um, they were talking about 14 home runs being a, tying a major league record. Um, but it it morphed into a conversation about steroids in baseball mm. and about how you know the steroid era has ruined everything for those kind of accomplishments. Because the, the, the theory was if you have a guy like Yelich or I think Javi Baez was thrown in there, these guys, that, uh, um, the guy out in New York, Judge, mm-hmm. um, who, who can put up these monster numbers. When you start to get into the month of late August, early September, and there's a whiff of, especially home run records, yeah, that is the first thing that is going to get brought up. Yeah, is there is no way, because the last guy that did this, Barry Bonds, um, you know, Mark McGuire, yep, that whole era, which was for me super fun to watch, man. That oh, was absolutely. Like, this was, the, I mean, that was. And Roger Clemens throwing, you know, 111 miles an hour. I'm yeah. like, hey, he's probably, he's probably, that's probably natural talent yeah, right there. Yeah, but there will help. There will always be like this, uh, this curtain of doubt that will fall on these players if they start to approach that, those milestones. Yeah. These records that you think, you know, that'll never be broken. Okay, got broken. Eventually, records get broken. But mm-hmm. now with baseball, especially, people are just looking at, okay. If Yelich gets there, if it's Javi, if it's Judge, if it's somebody else who all of a sudden is um, pushing those big numbers in home mm-hmm. runs, home runs especially, that question is going to get brought up. What is your baseball thought on? Yeah. Are you a purist? Are you well, like they should play? Everybody should be on the same field. Well, or? I just don't. I, I don't think you can get into that. I, I guess I'm kind of like a scarlet letter type of thing with the MLB with that. Like right. you have to wear it. Like you encouraged it. You yeah. you have to wear it. I think all those guys who who get caught with, I think they should be in the, in the Hall of Fame. I really do, yeah. and I think they should be there as a black eye to that to MLB. Mm-hmm. 
It should be you. You should recognize what it is that you did, um, and you know you had just kind of like we have now, right? With low low attendance and uh, bad ratings, and like, well, what are we gonna do? Well, let's be okay with these guys juicing up, you know. Um, so you should have to wear it. Is kind of my thought, and and we and we've seen what's happened in the past with asterisks and all that oh, yeah. sort of thing, right? We'll put I mean, them in. You'll be at the list. You'll be at the top of the yeah. list. But well, Roger Maris hit it in 162 games and not in 154 like Babe Ruth. So we're going to put an asterisk. Yeah. Come on, man. Like that semantics. Yeah. So uh, I mean, look at the Saints last year, right? With pass interference, you can't. You're not going to go back and change that, right? You're not going. You yep. can't go back and change it as much as you might want to. Um, there are plenty of things in sports I'd love to go back and change, but um, that were, you know, somebody was, poor, you know, was wrong done by something, right? Right. Um, so, I, yeah, I, my thought on it is you have to you have to wear it if you're the MLB. Like, this is what it is. So, yeah, I don't think there should be steroids in the game, but I don't think we should not recognize. Let's not like forget all the history. Yeah, of like it. that did, that didn't happen. Yeah, and no, it's that's... and it's your fault. So you should have to wear it. Like that's yeah. that that that's your. Um, you know, negative kind of badge, basically. And I read an interesting article, and this ties into, I think, maybe what you're talking about with that low attendance rate. Um, and these, this, you know, a lot of this is coming from from pitchers. It's coming from organizations about have the baseballs, unbeknownst yeah. to anybody, yeah. been altered in some way, calling them juiced balls. Yeah. Whether it's their lighter weight or there's some sort of change in in what's inside of this baseball. Uh, an alter in their manufacturing that's uh, apparently because a lot of there is a lot of long balls being hit and then, and maybe it, that and I mentioned the Brewers being kind of reliant on the long ball but there's a lot of teams that Tw- are just twins like, oh my yeah God. like yeah. okay we we're just gonna hit it out of the park and that's gonna be our velocity yeah. and our way to go did you, did you I, I saw so it was uh, Rick Sutcliffe was doing the game on ES was doing the Twins game on ESPN a few nights ago and he was saying that back when he was was pitching. And he would get to an all-star game. He said, I'd go to all-star games. And he goes, I've I've held a major league baseball in my hand for years and years and right. years. I know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. He said, I'd go to all-star games like the home run derbies. I'd pick up that ball. I wouldn't recognize what that was because it was <laughs> yeah. something different. Hmm. And he goes, I go and get a major league baseball now and pick it up. I don't recognize what it is. So he is convinced that there's a change. And then the other cool stat I saw, is minor league baseball now has taken, uh, is using major league baseballs. Okay. And in the month okay. of April, they there was 550 some home runs hit in AAA baseball last year. This month of April, there's almost a thousand. Like it's almost doubled. So there's there's got to be something to it. I don't think all these guys are juiced up. I don't think the bats are juiced. So there's only one thing left. Yeah, and uh, it's got to be the ball. They're not they're not sneaking the walls in a little bit closer. Like yeah, it says 470. Well, we're gonna move it in a couple of feet here. No, yeah, that's... this is a where there's smoke, there's fire situation. Like it's got they must have changed it somehow. I don't and who you know yeah, perfectly honest. Who cares yeah. if you change it? Yeah, why didn't sure. you like why do we have to have you know the code of secrecy? I mean, this is the issue what you got into with steroids. Yeah, because you tried to hide things. Why are we trying to hide things? Just, and if, especially if you're trying to not be, you're trying to still. I think still to this day in 2019, you're still trying to shed because they're still talking about yeah. it. That's the steroid era, and every time that there's a new, you know, vote for you know, you know, Cooperstown, mm-hmm. everybody who is not on that list who should be in there with their scarlet letter and with their asterisk, yeah. whatever. It still gets brought up, so that that is still a veil that they are yeah. wearing, whether they want to or not. Why not just be like you know, 
So you didn't want steroids. Okay, we get it. Because you don't want kids right. to go, I want to be like Barry Bonds, and my hat size is too small. I could bet I could bump it up a couple of you know numbers here. Give me some of the clear. Yeah. Yeah. Is, you know, the derby's on later. I wonder what that I wonder what that I wonder what he's taking. You know? Yeah. What, was, what was Justify on last year when yeah. he when he won the triple crown? Why not just be like, hey, just be transparent. You went through this whole thing during the offseason about speeding the game up. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, we're giving you now you're on a you know, on a pitch clock. Yeah. Um, all these, you know, these changes that they're making, you know, in instant replay and speeding up, you know, making the game more accurate, but yet speeding it up because people don't want to hang out and watch a baseball game for four and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Why not just say, hey, in order to make it more of an exciting game, we're going to a four ounce ball or a, you know, a yeah. four point nine ounce ball right. instead of five ounces. But that's it's just it's weird that baseball can't seem to. And you know what they're trying to do? Mm-hmm. They're trying to get attendance numbers up. They're trying to get viewership up. It's tough. It's a long season. Football, stri- you know, thrives because of the fact you have sixteen games, and they, you know, people are so hungry for it that you just compartmentalize into this, you know, sixteen, seventeen week season plus the playoffs. Throw in Thursdays and Mondays and you know yeah. Saturdays, and people are just like, yes. When you're playing five, six games a week, you're like. Oh, I missed that game. Oh, it doesn't really matter. Right. Yeah. I'm not going on Monday. Yeah. I'm not going to a day game on Wednesday. I'm sorry. I just, you know, I got I got things to do, man. I'm like, I got right. podcasts and shit. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. That. It's so weird. It's it's weird that they yeah. wouldn't. Like, again, I I I think you're right. I think there is something happened. I just don't, I don't. Uh, you know, it's uh, for me. It's like it, it always seems to me. You know, like I guess I'm gonna, honestly is the best policy to tra- in all things, whether it's sports, whether it's politics, any of that stuff. When you're transparent. People ask fewer questions. Yeah, you know what I mean. People, people. Okay, yep. They, you know they're more likely to believe you if you're just straight up with them, right? And it's, much, and it's much them. easier to answer a question when you don't have to think of what the answer is. Exactly. You're like, well, yeah, I know, I know what the answer is because that's how it, how it happened. Right. You don't have to train yourself, and and then it, and all the people inside of the circle. Okay, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. You know, Rawlings. Yeah. Shh. Yeah. Don't tell anyone. Like, there's got to be some internet Rawlings going, dude. Like, I I know all this yeah, stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're wait, waiting for the yeah. for the uh, Rawlings gate. My my yeah. my criteria to get this job used to be carry 50 pound you know buckets full of baseballs. Now it's 48 pounds. I'm like, right. oh, no, something's changed yeah. here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Wisconsin football, um, and, and not just Wisconsin football, but to focus on that because I think it is part of the the big four in the state. Uh, when you talk Packers, Brewers. Now the Bucks. No, nobody saw that coming a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. But obviously, Badger fandom, and you've recognized that coming from a big university like Kansas, um, that their the passion level is statewide. Yeah. It is a huge, um, and not just in the football thing. I think you see it um, when, when when we're talking about basketball too. I mean, hockey. Obviously, for some re- for some reason, hockey. We're like, yeah, hockey's awesome. Go Badgers. Eh. Yeah. yeah, it's fine, right. whatever. But um, and I was listening to. Uh, they were actually, strangely enough, talking about Jay Cutler going to Vandy. Obviously, I was paying attention to the draft because otherwise I'd be like, I don't give yeah. a fuck about either one right. of these things. Right. Uh, but they talked about you know, how Jay Cutler performed at Vanderbilt because Vandy, uh, like Wisconsin, like a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot, many universities in the country uh, with big programs and football will focus on the academic standards are set at a very high level. I mean, it's not, they're not the, you mm-hmm. or they're not USC. Um, nobody's paying to college, you know, yeah. paying paying somebody to take an ACT to um, to come to uh, the University of Wisconsin because really be like really that's yeah we, we can get you in much cheaper yeah. at a much be- more beautiful college, um, but the academic uh, level of Wisconsin and nobody I think really thinks about it during the season because if they're in contention a couple of years ago when they were hovering around that, you know, being in a playoff team and, you know, maybe going into the playoff when college football made that change, 
how do you think that the Badgers on any level? Uh, mm-hmm. We'll talk the ma- the two majors. We'll talk basketball and and football with that criteria of no, you need to be. It's a student athlete. You need to meet our academic criteria in order to even get into our college. Mm-hmm. Will they ever win a, a championship without? Any of those things being dropped. I mean, they're they're never going to get dropped. The academic standards are going to be what they're going to be. But when you're put on a pedestal like Wisconsin is, yeah. which we're going for what? Breeding offensive linemen. That's what we do. And running backs. Okay. Running backs, offensive linemen. Um, and maybe the running backs aren't that good because the offensive line is that much yeah. better. But to be in contention with these schools who can just go out and recruit kids that are, you know, when they're going in, when they're in high school, mm-hmm. their focus is just, I'm, I'm going to play football. Well, That's all they're going to do. You know, I think the one thing that everybody across the country in other conferences talks about is the sec. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, you know, I think the perception is, and I think that most people nationally know that the sec is really, really good. Like that, that's, right. that's, that's the creme de la creme, you know, and people in big 10 ter- territory talk about big 10 schools as being a big deal. People in big 12 territory talk about big 12 schools, pack, pack 12, right. Whatever. Um, but everybody talks about the sec. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I I think most of the schools at that level are are pretty similar in terms of academic standards. I mean, there, I'm sure there's the, there's there's got to be things happening probably at, at the Alabamas of the world and the. Uh, I'm not. You know, yeah. I'm not saying saving. I'm just saying right, saving. right, and and the Clemsons and the yeah. and the rest of them, right. Um, and, and we see, I mean, we saw it happen with basketball, right? You saw all the paper classes at UNC and um, getting guys into you know. Swahili and and whatnot, so that they could uh, so that they could up their GPA and whatnot. So, so yeah, I think that kind of thing happens. I don't know if it's. I mean, I, I think Wisconsin, obviously in the state, it's well known, and and there's a lot of really good talent to pull from in the state of Wisconsin. You don't, I mean, you don't see a ton of guys coming from all over the country though to come to Wisconsin, right? Um, and with, I think there's I think there's a lot of reasons for that too. I yeah. think if you have a guy who is um, and and the, the only, yeah, I think the only state that maybe is an exception to that is somehow, I think because of Barry Alvarez, the Jersey connection, yeah. there's always yep. going to be talent coming from New Jersey to come to Wisconsin. Um, but you know, you think of these kids who have, are playing in Michigan or they're mm-hmm. playing, you know, and if they don't want to go to the, to, you know, one of the two big schools in Michigan or Midwest, somebody who's had to deal with winters and playing in the cold and, and all that comes along with that. Um, if they have the level of talent that they can get into say a school of their choice, yeah. they're going to go either to a program that's highly successful in Alabama, a Clemson, um, but they're going to go where it's warm. You know, I mean, as much as you want, you want to talk about these are kids that are just focused on football. No, they want to go to USC because that is where every single pretty mm-hmm. girl is going, or they <laughs> want to go to the U or they want to go to, you know, Texas, but there's because of those other things that are offered down there. Now, yeah. now we can get into in, in a little bit. We will you know, when we talk about basketball, maybe more so. But there's obviously some different ways of recruiting yeah. that can entice you know high level talent kids to go to uh, to some of these schools that are in the SEC or that are in you know where the temperature is a little warmer or there's more to offer than hey come to Wisconsin and you have to study because if you don't keep a three eight up then mm-hmm. you can't play. Um, by the way, it was 63 below zero here in February. Yeah, but thanks for visiting during the, during the month of June. It's <laughs> right. really pretty here right. during the summer when you're not in school. Uh, but I, I think there's just so many factors that go into to that recruiting phase because there's so much talent in in I think in the state and in the Midwest. Um, but it is, if you look at you know we'll we'll strategically look at, strategically look at Wisconsin, uh, running backs, mm-hmm. offensive linemen, 
linebackers, but quarterbacks, yeah, maybe this new kid, the, the yeah. freshman that's coming in, Graham. Yeah, uh, from uh, Kansas City. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe he turns the tide on that. But you know, outside of you know Daryl Bevel and Jim Sorgi, who found a great career as a backup quarterback to Peyton Manning. All right. Nice pull, Jim. Way <laughs> to go, buddy. Uh, and then you know Bevel, who came out and ended up obviously doing very well for himself in a coordinator position because he understands the offense, but didn't have that talent. So mm-hmm. quarterback, no. Running back, I think you see there are some guys that come out that have that talent, but some of them come out and they just don't have the line that Wisconsin does. So offensive lineman, yeah, I'll say to Wisconsin, you bet I'll go up there because I have to, you know, eat twelve thousand <laughs> calories a you know a, a meal uh, to be part of the program. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, I mean tough. It's, it's the same way with basketball, right? I mean, th- there's your upper echelon of of schools in, in D1, and mm-hmm. and you know honestly, I think nationally outside of like Michigan and Ohio State, you know, those are your upper echelon schools. And Wisconsin's got a great reputation. I'm not saying it doesn't have a great reputation, but I just don't think it's talked about at right. the same level of the Michigan and Ohio State and those kind of teams, um, you know, and and the, the Alabamas, Clemsons, and, and and those. So I think that's I think that's probably where they suffer getting that really top elite level talent. So like you said, you got to you, you know they got to have that great running game. They got to have those great offensive linemen. And I think you, you also kind of have to have. And I wonder if we'll see, you know, this trend in college football a little bit, kind of like we've seen in the NFL. You got to have that upstart coach who's doing things a little bit differently than right. everybody, right? Yeah. Um, and and Paul Paul Chris isn't that guy. No, you know, he he is no. Mister Old School, and, and and that's great and it works. I don't know if it translates to a championship with again just that just under that tier of the type of guys that Alabama and those kind of teams are getting. Yeah, and I think you you look at that. Um, Paul Chris is old school. I mean, he's from the way he talks to the way that he he you know, runs his offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and defense, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a very, I'm going to say smash-mouth style, but you do you, you have some really good talent on the defensive yeah. side. But offensive line, big guys, and then fast running backs. And I think you see, if you watch enough Wisconsin football, like you can see him trying to step out of that shell and run some things. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you can – it's like, oh my gosh, they're running the jet sweep. And then like, okay, that's all they run now. They don't just right. run, why are we running the jet sweep over and over again? Like they know it's coming. And then you remember that Alex Hornibrook is their quarterback. You're like, <laughs> like, oh, that's not yeah. going to work. Well, I'm sorry. And where did he transfer to? I'm sorry. Did anybody know? Did anybody watch film on Alex Hornibrook? Where did he transfer to? Like yeah. like Miami or somewhere? Is he, yeah, you know, somewhere in Florida, somewhere right? Florida, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, like you guys watch the film here, right? Like, yeah, I don't understand. Maybe, but who knows? Maybe there's a quarterback whisperer or something yeah, down there. Yeah, who knows? Some genius. But then, yeah. you know, nobody comes to Wisconsin to 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 be those you know those skill position players. You know, yeah. outside of the running back position, um, you don't have the you know who is the last you know Wisconsin wideout. Yeah, I was just thinking Altoon. Yeah. I mean, is it Altoon that was the yeah. last guy who had you know some success in the National Football League? Um, but you know, tight end. It's you know it's a faster offensive lineman, and I think you see that that's the style of of tight ends that they have coming out. Well, we just saw a draft, right? I mean, yeah. it was you know all these these skill guys. It was Alabama, you know Mississippi State, Clemson. I mean, it was all these you know the SEC schools and the big you know, schools that got into the to the championships last year. They got into the playoff. Yeah. They got into the big bowl games, and so you know go figure that those are the guys who are going going big. The same way in college basketball, right? I mean, it's Kentucky, Kentucky, Duke, 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 Duke. I mean, it's yeah. it's all, all the same the same things. I think it'll be interesting to see in the next, you know, say five to ten years of watching, you know, especially Wisconsin football and basketball to an extent, because I, I do think Barry Alvarez is one of the best ADs, um, you know, in, in the country. Mm-hmm. But that's all predicated on the fact that winning the Rose Bowl was a really big deal for a long time. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Outside of you know name and title and where that bowl happens to fall, it's no longer about winning you know 
a particular bowl. It is about, okay, make the playoff. If you want to be that team, mm-hmm. you need to make the playoff, yeah. and then you have to win, and then you have to win a championship. And that doesn't seem to be something that's on the table for, you know, outside of Ohio State. You know? Yeah, you know, if they do it with one loss, you know, if, if Wisconsin gets and they can win the they can win the Big Ten championship with one loss, they should get in the playoff. So it's there. Yeah. It's not like you're playing in a conference where you can't get in, right? I mean, you, you're you're in a you Power can, Five conference, yeah, and you, you have enough in. reputation to get in. You can get in. Yeah, yeah. But um, when you go up against Alabama, yeah, or a Clemson, or mm-hmm. somebody who's got offensive firepower. That's a that's a tough ask. That's yep. it's a tough ask for a team that you, we, yes we have great running backs and, and Jonathan Taylor who by the way is now doing track. I'm like if you get hurt, dude, I swear, <laughs> bad things. But yeah. you know, don't trip over the hurdle. But you can't you can't be down by 21 points yeah. and expect to come back because you have, and again this this freshman coming in, you know he's being touted as this the next mm-hmm. you know the second coming of I can't even name a Wisconsin quarterback that he'd be the second coming of because yeah. they haven't had a guy with this amount of arm talent. But it's the offense would need to change in order to be able to compete because you are going to go down. You yeah. are going to be down to these teams that have this next level of talent. You know, we got A guys; they have A plus guys. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to watch. Um, you know, if Barry Alvarez does step down, yeah. does then the trickle down effect of we have a new philosophy of how we're going to run our coaching staff, especially in football, maybe in basketball too. Yeah. Um, in college basketball, going through some tumultuous times right now. When you talk about yeah. the, the payment of players out in uh, in Arizona. And, and not to get into all the you know the semantics of that particular story, but when you have a coach paying in uh, according to testimony from an assistant coach, uh, a guy last year ten thousand dollars a month, yeah, um, and and that obviously broke open a whole bunch of underlying scandals, which I I think I think you got to think people like knew things were going on. Like if yeah. you watched Blue Chips, you right. know you knew that there's. And and I think just hearing some of the stories that are people are talking about uh, in regards to this story, those things are still happening. Um, you know, there's the, all of a sudden players' moms are moving to different cities, or hey, you know, we needed this taken care of. It's blue chips. Yep. You know, we we want the best. Hey, you know, the guy from um, University of Arizona, they're going to come and take care of this, or the guy from you know, is is there. You know, there, there was some Zion tie-ins there where he was committed to another school, yep. and all of a sudden he's like. And they were there yeah, was Zion, some money on the table over there too. And Zion was, I mean, Zion was, Kansas was number one on his yeah. list for a while, and then all of a sudden, just like uh, there's another recruit who just just committed to the new, new class, who was didn't have Duke on his radar at all. Yeah. And then within like a week, all of a sudden Duke's his number one school, and he commits to Duke. I, 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 all I what I think's happening is the Nike schools aren't getting caught. The Nike schools yeah. have some kind of system because the Adidas schools got caught, right? Or at least right. these agents yep. got Adidas caught. Did, yep. Um, and yeah, and like you said, Sean Miller doing this. I mean, and uh, there's another one. I Aiden was gonna going to Kansas. He was he was ready to commit to Kansas, and all of a sudden, you're going to Arizona. <laughs> what? Like, wait a minute. Like, makes no Arizona, sense. Arizona basketball. Like yeah. this is happening. Yeah, uh, it, it's it, it's really a and and I don't even think this it 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 loosely ties into the paying of college athletes. Yeah. Um. But but this is a, on a different level because yeah. he, there is as much money as college football makes and as much money i think during a portion of the year that college basketball makes and in bigger in bigger schools with bigger programs than kansas mm-hmm. is on that list you know we talk about the dukes and the north carolinas and all these you know these teams that are in contention on a on a yearly basis yeah there's a lot of money coming into those programs but there there'd be no way to to separate that out you can't yeah. flat rate 
college athletes at here's your stipend, right. here's what it's going to be. You can't really put it. I want to say on a commission, but on a on a based on performance thing. I don't think. You, yeah. So that's it, it's such a because there's so many. There's just so many athletes in the, in so many different programs and programs that are on different levels. Good basketball. You know, you could have the best basketball player coming out of you know, Akron, mm-hmm. uh, and all of a sudden. He's not going to be getting paid as much as a Zion would at Duke. It's it's it, it it's so convoluted. I'm not sure how that ever yeah. becomes a thing. But this is on a different. This is shoe companies. Yeah. Brands. Yeah. Of all things that are and not say that are that have been mm-hmm. and probably have been for a very long time. And I do agree. Nike's probably got this down to some science, super man. secret science. There's, sure. There's probably bodies buried somewhere. I'm not <laughs> thinking you're going to talk. Oh, let's go talk over right. here. Right. But it's, it's such a, and, and I, th- on a big scale of life things, it doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. great, whatever. But when you talk about, and then again, you can tie this college cheating scandal into the whole thing about mm-hmm. money gets you into doors that you probably wouldn't have, or swings a player from Kansas out to Arizona or Kansas mm-hmm. to Duke. But that amount of money, and for a coach, and I use the Arizona example as a prime one, um, that is, you are way too close to the vest to yeah. be the guy who's handing off the paycheck. Like yeah. you need to, uh, you need to have a guy who knows a guy who used to have a guy mm-hmm. who used to change tires, who now is the guy who runs, you know, the, you know, the ship shape out here. <laughs> like you, you can't, you can't put yourself in that close of a, a the circle of trust. You have to be somewhere on the outside. Yeah, you're gonna have knowledge of it. I mean, Paterno had knowledge of what was going on at, yeah. at Penn State, but yeah, I, I know nothing. It wasn't me. It was the guy. It was the guy. It was the guy. It is just it boggles the mind, and it just goes to prove how much money in college sports at that level just to swing a kid from X Y Z school to go to your university because that and boosters yeah. and what that means for the program and what having a number one draft pick means to that program, which means next recruits, which is weird. It's a weird, like, double-edged sword. Like, yeah. well, if you're just going to pay the kid to come here anyway or move his mom here and buy her, <laughs> and buy her a Lexus. Or hire his dad as an assistant coach. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Or, or Nike's going to put somebody on payroll and be like, hey, well, here you go. Well, this, yeah. Like, that guy's making a lot of money just to put shoes in a box. Right. But, you know, his kid's really talented. It's a, it is just a weird, mind-boggling yeah. situation that's – Going on in college basketball. Well, and that's why it gets back into tying or, or into uh, paying college athletes, right? I mean, you, you, the, the the idea of amateurism is such a joke, right. right? And the fact that the NCAA makes so much money off of March Madness and off of the playoff and off of football TV rights and God knows what else um, and radio rights and everything. It's just like, let's not, let's just call a spade a spade, you know, what it is. Yeah. So y'all are making money off of this. So, Let's just open this thing up and not worry about this kind of stuff. Okay, you know what? So and so's, you know, mom's house, you know, their electricity was about to get turned off. Well, let them pay the bill. Yeah, you know what I mean. What's let, the big deal? Was it? Uh, it was one of the coaches in the uh, final. It was either Final Four or Elite Eight, something like that. Talking about how you know these parents will come out to the to, to the tournament and they'll ask to stay on the floor of the hotel room of their kid because they don't have enough money to pay. You tell me the, the university can't take care of that. The right. University can take care of that. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. You know, or paying for a kid's meal, but because you paid for his meal, you know, to whatever he needed, and and not pay for everybody else, it's a violation. Yeah, NCAA. It doesn't make any sense. And, and it's, yeah. it's, it's it's weird that the NCAA and and you wonder how much corruption is and has been going on within that organization 
for oh. so many years. And yeah. now that these, you know, these external things are coming in and while well, it's on us, it's the shoe company. Oh, well, we cracked down on Patino, but we're not going to get this guy. You know, it's it, like if you're just I think this again, this all circles back to transparency. Yeah. Like people know or yeah. should have an understanding, even, you know, to Wisconsinize it. If you don't have a Badger hoodie or a Badger hat or a Badger mm. shirt or you turn on the Big Ten Network, right, which wasn't a thing, exactly. you know, eight, ten years ago. They're running commercials. They're paying guys. Like, if you don't understand that there is a ton of money going into this, and you want your school to have the best players, you want them to be able to recruit the way they want to recruit, why do you care? These kids are wearing Nike shoes on the field anyway. Yeah. The jerseys are sponsored by somebody. Somebody's paying to have, you know, their emblem on the side of the state. Like, <laughs> Werner ladder so that you can cut down the nets. Like, that's a whole thing. It's just, like, it's, right? yeah, it's everything. Come on. Yeah. It's like, like yeah. we get it, you yeah. know, but it when it becomes an issue, it becomes something like this, uh, $10,000 a month payment, which is, man, like I should have practiced harder as a, right. as a and kid. And then we're going to punish the kid and not right. the coach or not the, you know, and in some case, and in this case, obviously we're punishing Sean Miller, but I mean, in other cases it's okay well then the coaches and the people who are part of this don't get punished but then the kid gets punished and he doesn't get to play because he took you know his because his mom took a two thousand dollar payment like i said because their lights were out like come on like that's not that's not what the spirit of this is so there there definitely needs to be reform and i'm I'm a little surprised that it hasn't that it's been as slow as it's been because i mean you've seen what northwestern all those students got together Mm -hmm. try to make a union all that sort of thing and they've been they made some progress but it hasn't hasn't been fast right i mean imagine the walls that they're up yeah. against like yeah. we have a really good idea i mean and these are i mean especially when you talk about big 10 school pretty smart kids mm-hmm. you know that got together and they're like wait a minute we can we can figure out a way to make this work mm-hmm. the obstacles that they must oh, encounter yeah. is, is lawyer after be lawyer insane. after lawyer yeah. the one thing i will miss because i think eventually this and it, it may not be anytime in the near future but when they do figure it out because somebody will there's somebody smarter than i am and smarter than you are that's going well here's how you would do it here's how you would break it down and obviously yeah. you know this guy's gonna get paid more than that guy but it's the same way in any other you know, professional sports is the same way in, uh, in the real world. But the stories that have been coming out, um, I think this stemming from this about boosters, and again, it re- relates mm-hmm. back to the blue chips reference. Um, it was one I heard about, there was a, a booster that had a, um, um, a steamboat or something that was like a, a place you went in there that was like a casino. Um, so they would invite these kids on to like, hey, you know, it's a, it's a freshman party and yeah. come, no, no, no alcohol. It's all good. Um, all you have to do is follow the security guard to the third slot machine on the left, pull the handle twice. <laughs> and because in, I think there was a certain, wow. it was like a uh, $2,000 or something you didn't have to report to the IRS. Yeah. So they would pull it. And it was rigged, and they were like, oh, look, I just won a thousand bucks. That's amazing. That's crazy. But it was like all the weird stories that come out about, you know, like Eric Dickerson had like this, you know, was still in high school, and all of a sudden he was like, oh, I had a gold Camaro. And like, that's weird. He doesn't seem like a good, you know, that could afford this gold Camaro. So that, I mean, I think from, you know, your perspective as a, you know, somebody who wants to talk about sports and something that's not always about numbers, but it's about the, the shady dealings that go on because yeah. that's what gets that that's what gets attention. Mm-hmm. But just the and if the if the Nike if the Nike philosophy and how they're making yeah. it work, yeah. If that ever comes to light, which oh, I'm surprised man. something didn't come out with the Zion shoe blowout. Like, yeah. Like wait a minute, how like there's well, who was, it was a was it uh, the um, Stormy Daniel uh, Stormy Daniels lawyer Michael Avenatti yes. right? He yeah. came out and said he had a big thing on Duke, and then of course he got like immediately. <laughs> well, wait a minute, arrested uh, yeah. for whatever it was. Oh yeah, was, you're also a uh, let's see, 
you're an abuser. Yeah, uh, you, yeah. Uh, you owe us back taxes. Like, yeah. like they'll find some, all of yeah. a sudden he's. You haven't heard from him much because he's been incarcerated. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure it's out there. It's just got, you got to have a non Michael Avenatti putting it, uh, <laughs> yeah. putting it out there. So. Like, like hopefully he like saved all of his tapes. Like I got all yeah. this stuff. It's in a lockbox somewhere. We'll let the information out. But no, it, it's, we'll see. It's such a, um, you know, that's I think that's what makes. Sport is just sport. I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, it's it is um, it's fun for you know the layperson to watch. Um, some people like you can make yeah. you know make a career out of it, and but the stories that are behind it. Um, oh yeah, there's the great stories. There's the inspirational stories. There's the triumph stories, and um, you know I look at the the JJ Watt story of just how he has become this kid from Wisconsin who went to Wisconsin who's now like uh, not only a um, or maybe at the end of his you know NFL mm-hmm. career as far as you know. Uh, injuries and stuff, but it's just become like this icon of, you know, what he did for the floods in Houston and yeah. raising all this money and the inspirational stories like that into like, really like you're slipping onto a casino <laughs> boat, um, yeah. go to the, for- it's not the way to do it. Right. But I think, I think sports needs to have that, you know, yeah. you need to have those kind of weird stories out that just kind of pop out of nowhere and you're like, huh? Yeah. I should have been better at sport. That, you know, I'd have been the one going, Mom, I don't know if I can do 10000 a month. That's going to cut into my ramen fee. Yeah. Uh, Pete Knutson, thank you so much for the yeah. time, man. Um, let's uh, let's do this uh, on a regular basis, get you back on here anytime. Uh, you're on the, on the socials. Can people follow you and stalk you on there? Yeah, at uh, Sporting Pete on Twitter. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where I put out all the, the hot sport takes I that's, have. So. That's where the hot takes come? Oh, yeah. On the Twitter? Definitely, yeah. Just more mainly retweeting, yeah. Uh, good that's, stuff. That's all I do too. I, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm big into uh, Rex Chapman right now. I don't know if you follow him. He does this cool thing called blocker charge, which you know is your funny thing in uh, uh, the NBA. And it's just mm-hmm. like people, uh, it's you know, it's like wipeout videos. It's like top point oh, <laughs> and uh, blocker charge. This dude just uh, fell off a cliff. Uh, what's going on with that? So it's funny. That's, that's awesome. Stuff. Well, thank you so much for the time and uh, for protecting our community last night with, yeah, no with the phone call to the police. Yeah. You know, I, I, I tried to think about that uh, uh, to wrap up where we we started this whole thing, like. If that guy would have knocked at my door, it'd have been like, I probably know this guy. Like, just the big, like the black hoodie club is like, you know, we're like, but then like, how would I? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I would have handled it. Only when you get close up and you realize, yeah, then, nope, no, nope, this not is the not, dude. this is not my guy. Yeah. No, sir, no. But that's it's it's crazy. But thank you for again, no problem. Serve and protect. <laughs> no problem. Let me know when that check from the city of Altoona comes. In. Anytime. <laughs>